Welcome to Belong Church. I'm so glad that you're with us and along for this ride, and I hope that you will enjoy today's message, and I know that you will. Today, we're privileged to have Pastor Tad Matthews from Church on the Rock in Palmetto, Florida. He's giving the message for us. Pastor Tad, you may have heard me talk last week, is our pastor. He's our pastor that um, actually had a word from God to send us from Palmetto, Sarasota, Florida, Bradenton area, all the way back to Texas, and he is part of our overseers. And next week, we will hear from Pastor Joe Cadena, and we're just so happy, and I know you're going to enjoy it, so please turn your attention to the screen. Well, good morning, Belong Church. Let me introduce myself. I'm Tad Matthews. I'm senior pastor of Church on the Rock in Palmetto, Florida, and it's my privilege to come before you today and to preach a message a message I believe will challenge you in your faith and a message I hope will bless you. Now I'll talk more about the message in just a moment, but let me talk just a little bit about why it's my privilege to stand before you today and to preach. And the reason is, is because I love your pastors. Pastor Kevin and Lenore Behrens, not only are personal friends, but they served on my staff here in Florida for years, very faithfully. And we were the church that actually sent them, planted them, if you will, right there in Texas. And so I'm so pleased to be able to not only just tell you how much I love Pastor Kevin and Lenore, but also just to associate with you to let you know that you have a family, you have people beyond just yourselves there in Texas who care about you and are concerned about you and love you. So I extend my greetings from Church on the Rock in Florida to those of you at Belong Church there in Texas. Now the message today is a message concerning a parable that Jesus taught. And it's a parable about talents. And I'll explain in the message what talents represent but let me just encourage you in your faith. You need faith in God, and faith can move mountains. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But listen to this. You have the ability to do things beyond your ability. And what I mean by that is through the power of the Holy Spirit, you have the ability to go beyond what would be the limitations that you have naturally or physically. And so God has invested in you. He's invested in you promise. And I hope that today you'll be challenged in your faith, at least in this one area. Don't be afraid to fail. Step out for God. Follow God. Believe in God. He'll never disappoint you. And He'll never let you down. God bless you. The title of the message this morning is Good and Faithful. Good and Faithful. Well, hey, this past week, I decided it might have been a good idea for me just to head up to the Civic Center, the Manatee Civic Center, to get a coronavirus test. And so I got myself in line and I'm following the directions heading back to the testing area. But I got to one spot, maybe about 50 yards away from where they were testing, and I saw this sign that was taped to one of these orange construction cones, and I took one look at that sign, and I whipped my car out of there. I turned around and got out of there as fast as I possibly could. Good Lord, I thought this coronavirus test was supposed to be a nasal swab, and when I saw that sign, I just got the heck out of Dodge. 
Well, I hope you're appreciating at least a little bit of humor this morning. And we're gonna jump right into the message today. And the message today is actually birthed out of something that transpired this past week. Something that I would think many of you, if not most of you might have already seen. We had what I believe is the greatest evangelical Christian apologist in our generation going to be with the Lord. And his name was Ravi Zacharias. And this particular gentleman was a guy who used his Christian faith in an apologetic setting in so many areas of life and debated with so many people who had a misunderstanding or lack of understanding concerning God. And he did such a wonderful job explaining, not just to the unbeliever, but to the believer, the tenets of our faith. Well, he went on to be with the Lord. And when I saw that he had passed away, one of the things that I did was consider what happened when he walked in to the gates of heaven. And I would think that he got to hear words that you and I, all of us want to hear for ourselves. He got to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. You see, these are words that we all want to hear in relationship to the life that we live and those things that we do for the Lord with the life that God has given us to live. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well, we're considering faith this morning and we're doing it in the context of a parable that Jesus taught one day concerning the kingdom of heaven. And so I'm going to begin this morning by asking you three simple questions, three questions, and I'll follow it up with the fourth here in just a moment. And question number one is, how do you relate to your boss? Number two, how do you relate to your parents? Number three, how do you relate to those in authority over you? Well, the way you relate to what I'll call the master of your house or the boss of your life or the boss at work or the boss in your home has a lot to do with how you see life. You see, I think your perspective colors everything in relationship to how you deal with authority, how you relate to the master of your house or those that are in authority over you. If you dread your boss and you hate your work, if you despise your parents and you're living a miserable existence, if you think ill of those in authority, you'll end up living in a prison. I would say that if you can just trust in those who have charge over you and love them and love your work and love your home, you're gonna live a joyful life. Not a life filled with negativity, but a life filled with positivity and joy. So the fourth question I would ask you is, how do you feel about the master of the universe? How do you feel about God himself? You see, your response to him is very similar to your response to your boss or to your parents or those who have given civil charge over our lives. I think if you were to see God in a positive or a negative perspective, it colors and alters everything about your life. You see, if you think that God cares for you like a guard cares for a prisoner in San Quentin, well, I think you would live a life of dread in your heart. But if you actually could think about God who loves you and cherishes you as one of his prized possessions, I think your heart would be opened up and you would live a life that would be full of joy. 
maybe even a life that we could describe as being overjoyed. You see, Jesus makes a point, a point that I want to point out in this parable that we're gonna be looking at together this morning. And a parable is simply by definition, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So Jesus tells us in a parable that the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a man going on a long trip. So join with me this morning as we read God's word together in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. I'll be reading out of the New American Standard Version. Again, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. We'll read verses 14 through 30. Read together with me. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey. That's the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me and see I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid. And I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, you wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank and on my arrival, I would receive my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given. And he will have an abundance but from the one who does not have, even what he does not have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, in our culture today, our society today, a talent literally means skill or ability. But in the day of Jesus, when he was talking about a talent, the five, the two, and the one talents, he wasn't talking simply about skill or ability. He was actually referring to a specific amount of currency. And a talent was the largest unit of currency in Greek culture. And so a talent was the equivalent of 
10,000 denarii. So 10,000 denarii equals one talent. And according to the Bible, when Jesus spoke about the parable of the workers in Matthew chapter 20, a denarii represented one full day's wage. So one full day's wage is a denarii and a talent is 10,000 days of wages. So if you made $30,000 a year and you worked 260 days a year, that amounts to about $115 a day. So a talent in your case would be valued at 10,000 times your daily wage and over the course of a year it would amount or over a course of a year it would amount to 1.15 million dollars. Well to put this in proper perspective in our culture and society, if you made 30,000 a year for 40 years of your life, your lifetime earnings would be 1.2 million, basically the equivalent of a talent. And so your life, your entire life's work at $30,000 a year would represent just one talent in Greek currency. So a talent represents a lifetime of earnings. It's said in the eyes of the world that your wage is a real measure of your worth. Well, before I speak about that, let me just bring out this official currency right here. This isn't a fake, a fake bill, it's a real bill. I purchased two or three of these when I was on a trip to the Holy Land and then we took a side trip going around where the, the journey of Paul was in biblical times. And we ended up in a spot called Ephesus. And Ephesus is found in Turkey. So I purchased two or three of these $1 million bills. This is a Turkish lira. It is literally one million lira. And when I purchased it, it was the equivalent, listen to this, of about 36 US dollars. And so I invested $100, so to speak, in these three bills. And I have one of them right here. But when I think about this bill, I looked it up as a matter of fact today. And according to our currency today, this bill now has gained value and it's worth $147. I'm thinking about cashing it in and going to eat somewhere. Anybody with me with that one? But this is literally a million Turkish lira. Can you believe that something that simple, a bill of currency could somehow or another represent the value of a human life, a lifetime of earnings? So, I've already said a talent represents a lifetime of earnings in the eyes of the world because that's how the world measures worth. We're measured by what we do and how much we make. It's a reflection of who you and I are, far beyond even our character sometimes. It's just a reflection of our worth. But let me just remind you something very important. Listen to this. God never, ever, ever measures your worth by some kind of monetary value. God doesn't measure your worth by your wage. God continually and specifically says in scripture that he has given us a God-given design and uniqueness and he ascribes to us an astronomical value to our life. And it's not measured in dollars and cents, it's measured in 
our worth to God, our creator. So God didn't entrust you with your life as two talents or five talents or one talent, but you are an investment by God. He has invested everything in you. You are to God a multi-million dollar enterprise, so to speak. So what does God do? He gives us gifts. He gives us abilities. He gives us skills. And when God gives gifts, he is not a miser, nor is he a Scrooge. God gives to us generously and he gives to us abundantly. And he also does not give to us randomly. He gives to us carefully and specifically. In verse 15, we read that God gave, the master gave to each of these slaves something very important. He entrusted to them according to each one's unique ability. You see, you should remember this. No one else in the whole wide world has the talents that you have, the abilities and the skills that you have, no one. So God elevates you and everybody else on the planet from commonness and he matches your unique abilities and your custom made assignments in life in order that you might accomplish the purpose for which he has created you for. And in this parable, the first two servants that we read about were rewarded because of how they dealt with the trust their master had put in them. In verses 16 and 17, the five talent servant jumped into the task as soon as he got those five talents and he went and traded according to scripture. He bought investment magazines. If we were to put this in modern day vernacular, he bought investment magazines. He went to school. He watched the business and financial channels. He went looking for opportunities to invest. He pondered his options. He investigated properties. He crunched the numbers. He swallowed hard and he plunged right in. He invested all five of those talents, trying to make for his master the most of what was given him. And the second servant showed equal eagerness. He had two talents, less than the man with five and one more than the servant with one. But by George, he put his talents to work. Like the first guy, he took his talents and he negotiated, he traded, he invested. And both the five talent and the two talent fellows, they took risks and they dared to fail. I think it's important for us to understand that when God invests in our life, he expects us to do something with it. And he expects us to be daring. A better word would be faithful, to have faith and to take the plunge, to dare to fail in order to try to do everything we can do to make our master happy and proud of us for the investment he's made in our lives. So their investment, this five talent and two talent fellow, would be like heading out to the New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ and they could have busted and lost all their money, but they took the chance in their investments and property or whatever it is that they were doing. And when the master came back after a long period of time to check and see what they had done with what he had given them, he commended both of these guys. He applauded the five talent man when he returned and in verse 21, we see those words, so important. Well done, good and faithful. I will put you in charge of and make you ruler over many things. This response by the master in Jesus' parable 
gives us a glimpse into the end of the age, to the end of our life, to the end of our existence. In 2 Peter, the Bible tells of the end of the ages here on the earth, and it says that all of our works are going to be judged by God. God is gonna judge everybody. He's gonna judge the bad, and he's gonna judge the good and the faithful. He's not gonna judge the good and the flashy, the good and the famous, not even the good and the fruitful. God is looking for the good and the faithful. And those who exercise faith are good, and those who exercise faith are the good and the faithful. The masters judge the five-talent guy, and now comes the two-talent guy, and he's given the exact same commendation. The master altered nothing. He gave the same honor to the man with five talents as he gave to the man with two talents, the exact same reward. You see, that same two-talent guy didn't even have to do it the same way the five-talent guy did it. Maybe he earned money and was giving out blankets to the poor on a cold night. Maybe nobody even noticed all the things that he did with that which he was given. His reward was the same as the five-talent evangelist who fills up stadiums all around the world. Different fruit, different numbers, but equal praise from God. Can I tell you the point I wanna make? Your uniqueness should be used. Use your uniqueness to take great risks, not for yourself, but to take great risks for God. If you love kids, you should be ministering in children's church. You should be a part of mentoring programs. If you have a head or a mind for business, you should be starting ventures, not just to bless yourself, but to bless other people and to be used in God's kingdom. And what was the error of the one talent guy? The one talent service servant. Did the master notice him and what he had done? Well, let's read together in verses 24 and 25. And the one who also had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. The first servants, they went and traded and they took risk and they dared to fail. And why don't we contrast that to the last servant, the servant who was given one talent. While everybody else went out and invested, this servant went out and dug. He took what he had and he buried it. The first two went out on a limb, but this one talent service servant, he didn't go out on a limb, he just hugged the trunk of a tree. The last servant made the most tragic and common mistake of giftedness. He failed to benefit the master with his talent. And I hope that you're making the personal application as I speak to you. One of the worst things we could ever do in life is take the giftedness, the uniqueness, the skills, all of those things that God has invested in us and making the common and tragic mistake of being gifted by God by failing to benefit the master with that which you have been given. You see, all people have talents, but how many have invested their talents to benefit the master? Now listen, we all recognize that any 
idiot can learn how to benefit themselves. But how many know how to benefit the master? Many discover their what, and some stumble into their where, but it's so hard to find the why of life, isn't it? You can discover the what, stumble into the where, but how do you captivate, capture the why of life? Why did God pack your bag the way he did? Why did he fill up your life with all the things that he's filled it up with? Different and separate from my life and different and separate from everybody else's life. Why did God invest in you all of your uniqueness, all of your giftedness, all of his pleasure into you? Why did he do such a thing? Well, the one talent guy, he said that he knew his master. And he said that because he knew his master, he found him to be a hard man. He found him to be reaping where he did not sow, casting no seed, but getting a return nonetheless. And do you know what was described by that one talent man? He said of himself, he knew his master. But the truth is, is that one talent guy did not know his master at all. And so it is sadly with billions who live on the planet even today. They just don't understand the why of their life. They think they're here to live their life for themselves. They think they know how things work and how things go. But the truth is, you should know your master. You should know your creator. You should know exactly how God feels about you and what he expects of you. He's not a hard man and he's not one who fails to reap, but yet so. He's not one who cast out no seed, but in fact, he's the one who plants in each and every one of us everything we need in life and everything that he has deemed our life should represent in order that our creator might be blessed. You see, he should have known his master much better than what he did. If he had known his, ma his master, he would have known he shouldn't have played it safe. It seems to me when I read this parable, it seems that Jesus is describing this one talent fellow as a guy who thinks a lot of himself. He thought a lot of himself and he was fearful for his own life and fearful with that which the master had given him. So he just dug a hole and he buried it. And he thought that when the master came to check up on him, that as long as he gave him back basically the equivalent of what he was given, all would be well. But the master said that he was gonna be thrown into utter darkness. Would you read with me in verses 29 and 30? For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know what you and I should take an account of today is what have we done with the life that God has given us? What have we done with our uniqueness and the skills God has put in our life and our giftedness? And we can take no credit for us because God has given us every good thing, life itself. We should acknowledge that we can't do it on our own. 
We should acknowledge that we need the help of God and we need the guidance of God each and every day in our life. And we should like the five talent and the two talent fellows, we should understand that with that which God has given us, we should be investing it and multiplying it, not in order that we might be benefited, but in order that God himself might be benefited with this life that he has so richly blessed us with. You see, I want my life to count for something beyond my own needs and wants. How about you? Don't you want your life to count for something beyond your own personal needs and wants? I want my life to bless my creator. I want my life to be a blessing to my master, my savior, my redeemer. I want God to be pleased with the life that I live. And it's my prayer that you want to be, you want to be pleased by what you give and offer back to God. There's gonna come a day of judgment, a day of reckoning. Why don't you use your life to bless the Lord? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, I wanna thank you for the gift of life, my life and the lives of my family members and all of those in my church family and all of those who are watching today. And Lord, may we take an account today of that which you have invested in us. And may we be faithful. May we have fearless faith in taking our life, O oh God, and making sure that with our life, we do not only what's good for us, but most importantly, what is best for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.